0: Listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. And did the kids get the kids' packs and they're getting those handed out right now? Great kids. Welcome here to Big Church. And I encourage you to listen because there's some notes that you can take, some things you can fill in. As well as I always encourage your parents to take notes and to look up Bible verses. Although I did hear one kind of alarming thing this morning from our greeters that sometimes the men will walk in and say, Oh, give that to my wife when we're talking the connection card because she's the one that takes the notes. Come on, man, let's also be in there. Let's be taking notes. Let's let's be studying God's word. Uh, Let's be writing it down. I know you have all really good memories. Like, quick, when is your wedding anniversary? You know, like I mean, it's right there, I'm sure. You know, I mean, how are you gonna remember? You're gonna forget 90% of what I talk about by tomorrow morning. That's really discouraging for me. You know, but if you write it down, that's gonna help you to remember. Remember God's word. Not so much what I say, remember God's word and encourage you to be taking notes to be looking up the passages as we are in God's word here. Follow along, bring your Bibles to church, even the backlit versions uh, are welcome here. And, um, and so let's uh, get into our message here this morning. You know, so oftentimes you hear the statement, it's not, you can help me finish this one because I think you might know it, it's not what you know, it's who you know, for sure you know that one full well. And you, we've all probably, at times, have been in a situation in our lives where we've been working hard, trying to get through to someone, try to get some answers, trying to get some results, trying to make progress in a certain area, in a certain way, and, and we're putting tons of effort, we're trying everything we know and nothing. And sometimes it may go on for hours, days, weeks, months, maybe even years, and you're like, I just can't seem to get any results. And then all of a sudden, one phone call or one conversation with the right person and boom, everything changes. And all of a sudden you have connection. All of a sudden you get answers. All of a sudden you get results and it's just like, oh, you know, after that you're like, well, that was easy, you know, and yet it's still, you are, are trying to, you know, persevere in, in all of this and, and so oftentimes it's getting to know the right person. It's having those connections You and I have at our disposal access 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to the most powerful person being in the universe. No, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. You might be able to access him through social media, maybe, or, or Obama, I'm not talking about Justin Trudeau. Those aren't the most powerful people in our world or in our nation or in, in our universe. We as believers in Christ have access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords at any time, anywhere. What a privilege. What a, a reality that oftentimes, though, we don't take advantage of. That we don't pursue personally. We have this at our disposal. Hebrews 4.6 even says that we can come with confidence. We can draw near to the throne of grace. That we may find, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can approach the King of kings and Lord of lords with confidence, with boldness in our prayers, in our seeking after him. I want you to repeat something. Kids, this is something you can help in because you know what? The the older crowd here, they, they get a little forgetful. Your parents are already starting to forget things. And so I want you to remember this. I hope that even when you're driving home in the car, afterwards, you're gonna remember this, that this week that you would remember this. Prayer is power. Can you say that? Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is precious. We're gonna say it all together, both both lines all at once okay prayer is powerful prayer is precious right on okay so say it one more time prayer is right on okay good remember this this is so important because throughout scripture in the old testament in the new testament we have invitations to call out to god in prayer because prayer is powerful prayer is precious and in psalm 50 Verse 15, we hear the call. We hear this invitation. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. In James 5.13, we see the New Testament equivalent of this. Is any one of you in trouble? Pray. James is writing to believers here, and he believes, as he is writing, as he was led by the Holy Spirit, that Christians can be in trouble. So when we're in trouble, what are we to do? We are to pray, because prayer is powerful prayer is precious good and yet so oftentimes we don't call out to God in prayer Jeremiah 33:3, 3 call to me he says I will answer you and I will show you I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known and yet so sad oftentimes we don't call out to God in prayer Prayer is oftentimes the last resort. We say we pray, we say we'll pray for someone, but oftentimes it's the last resort and, you know, just if I happen to remember, I might pray. We love the idea, the concept of prayer, but oftentimes we don't live it. Do we pray? We live in very prayerless days. And when we do pray, oftentimes our prayers are very self-centered. It's for the immediate, and it's for the now. I I see people at times, and it's still in the United States, and even this week in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, this showed itself uh, to be still a battle where um, where where people will say, you know what, they've taken prayer out of schools. Terrible thing. They've taken prayer out of the schools. Take prayer out of the schools, guns come in. You see kind of that correlation. And even in Moose Jaw this past week, the school there, they were still doing the Lord's Prayer. They asked a, a large percentage of the parents earlier in the year, are you okay with having the Lord's Prayer said in the school every day 92 percent said yes we are and yet now that eight percent has made a little bit of a, a a rumble about it and so now there's this battle going on about keeping prayer in the school and 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 all of this and and i think we can get so upset and so worked up about these kind of things but many times our churches prayer has left our own lives we don't pray we make a big stink about it not happening in our schools or in society but we should be more concerned about the prayer or the prayerlessness in our own lives or that of the church. Yes, it's great we have as a pillar, love it, love it. It was one of the things that when I first discovered Harvest and I saw these, these four pillars and when it came to believing, in the fir- believing firmly in the power of prayer, I'm like, love it, I'm in. Because a prayer prayerless church is a powerless church. You can program a church You can program results. We've become very good at that. Hollywood has helped majorly. I mean, even as far as just marketing and all of these different things, you can market, you can program, but if you don't have prayer, you don't have authentic power in your life or within the church, in your family. As prayer goes in the church, so goes the church. Firmly believe that. You may get short-term results because of programming and because of marketing. But in the end, as you look at the disciples, you see what is being produced within that church, you can see prayerless people, and therefore will be powerless and very frustrated people. We can listen to preaching, and oh, I encourage you to listen to good preaching. We will worship, we can worship, we can gather in here to worship, we can give our resources, we can serve, but do we pray? Are we people of prayer? Folks, to be real people, to be authentic people in a fake world, it means we just don't say we pray, we just don't like the concept, we actually do it. And I admit personally, I can be very lazy when it comes to prayer. I think it's my might, my power, will win at the end of the day. It's my might, it's my power that will put the sermon together. But when I pray things happen when I pray there's an anointing when I don't pray it's melden. and it's not right and it's not from God but when I pray when I seek God it's different we can become so lazy so distracted um, television or social media or even a good book and and sometimes it's almost like we'll do anything else but pray and I don't today, I, I, I don't desire to put you on a guilt trip and, and to say, oh, yeah, I guess I should pray more, you know. And, and it, but I would hope and I would, would trust, and it's been my prayer, that we would see there is a weapon at our disposal, a powerful weapon to defeat the enemy, a powerful weapon to be able to stand up in, in, in very crazy times in our world and to stand in confidence and that is prayer that will guide that, will, will be our lifeline. We would, many of us would desire prayer to be something we grow in, but we say we don't have the time, we don't know how. My prayer is and has been that this year, 2016, would be a year that every one of you, every one of you, no matter your age, no matter your success over the years in prayer, or whether it's your stumbling in prayer, that each one of us would develop a deeper passion for authentic prayer, and we would see God's word come alive as we are people of prayer. That as 2016 ends in 11 months and a few weeks, that we would look back and just say, that was a result only from prayer. Because God's people are praying. Because when we're in trouble, we call out to God. And another great thing that we have is to call out to others to stand with us in prayer. When you have two or three gathered, there's power as we are lifting up his name in prayer. It is impossible, folks, to have a real and a genuine faith, growing faith, and to not pray. You just can't have that. Because to walk with God means we pray that we're seeking him. Because after all, what? Prayer is, and prayer is wonderful. In a little while, I might ask you that, and the words might not be on the screen, so make sure, and I heard some kids' voices in there, thank you, kids, because we need that reminder and to hear it in your voices. Prayer contains so many promises, folks. And until we actually pray and put them to work, they just remain concepts, it's just a nice concept for us to know. But I'll let you know, as you already know, but I'll remind you again, it's going to be a fight to pray. It's going to be a struggle. There's going to be many discouragements, many distractions. Satan will keep us from prayer. He knows that when we pray and get serious and pour our hearts out to God, he knows that things, are, things will happen, and he's not going to like it. When you and I pray, I mean... To Satan, we are nothing. We are chump change. But when we pray and we bring God into the scene, Satan flees. Satan then becomes concerned. We cannot stand on our own. The fight, the battle will be too much to fall into temptation, to sin, to laziness, discouragement. And Satan will throw those distractions and discouragements. But when God comes onto the scene, and he comes onto the scene, as we pray and as we seek Him. Authentic prayer is powerful. And when you and I, and when the church gathers to pray, watch out the history of the church. The church was founded in prayer. It continued to grow in the book of Acts through prayer. Prisoners were released from prayer. Healings came as a result of prayer. Throughout the history, as 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 revival has shown there's no genuine work of God that has ever happened in calling people to genuine repentance and revival that hasn't come through God's people praying. When we're sick and tired of being sick and tired and we actually get busy and we pray and we make it a priority, things happen. God answers. When God shows up, you'll know. When people stop praying and figure, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this covered, I can do this on my own, revival stops. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 18, he says, pray, pray and don't give up. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray continually, pray constantly. Prayer is more than presenting the shopping list to God. It's that walking day by day, in relationship it's one that we are to be growing in and i trust that you are and you say but i'm struggling in prayer it's hard i don't even know how to pray there's many different resources out there and one of the best that we've had here at harvest one of the best books i've read in the area of prayer is is this book right here transforming prayer we have copies of these available for purchase for you encourage you to get this we'll spend how much on starbucks or tim's or whatever coffee meets your fancy. Or how much will we spend on our cell phone packages. Or on a meal out or on a vacation or whatever. Can we, can we put an investment in a good book that's going to guide us in the area of prayer. And how to grow in this. Encourage you to get this. If you don't already have it. And read it. Show up. To prayer events, we have this prayer night. We're doing it on a Tuesday night. We're going to have it at the church office. We have to switch from Tuesday night to Wednesday nights because Wednesday night, the church there in their, their multi-purpose room has a choir that practices there, a community choir, and it will just be a little too chaotic. And so we're going to go on Tuesday night. Encourage you come, not this Tuesday, but on the 26th. And so encourage you to come. Even right now, say, hey, I'm going to be there going to be there, we're going to worship, we're going to pray, because when God's people pray, he answers, he shows up, and we're believing already and trusting God for a great night that night. Many of the Psalms are, are prayers to God. Prayer is so precious to God that he put many of the prayers of his people in his Word, so we can see how we can pray. Many prayers are in there. Psalms, many of the prayers of David are in there. Hezekiah has, there's his prayer to God. Nehemiah, Hannah, the prophets, Job, Jesus. We see some of his prayers in the New Testament. Moses, prayer is what? Prayer is powerful. Prayer is precious, right on. You know, there is one thing that will get my attention more than anything else as a a father to young children, and even as our kids are in their teen years, is when I hear my kids say, Daddy, help. Dad, help. Don't know what to do here. I'm in trouble. When that happens, I come. Why? Because I love my children. I want to be there. I want to help them any way I can. Sadly, Maybe fortunately, maybe unfortunately, now when it comes to their homework and they say help, I, I am of no help to them, I'll turn them over to their mother and uh, she might be able to help them. Prayer, though, is calling upon God and saying, I can't, but you can. Daddy, Abba, Father, help, help, I need you. You know, as parents, uh, we, we oftentimes receive little things, little gifts from our kids and uh, and, and we take these things and, and we, we treasure them. And, and sometimes it might be a little craft they made or a note that they've written. And, and you can't save it all, honestly, right? Because if you did, I mean, it'd be a lot of stuff. And, and so even yesterday I went, uh, I had one item in my room and then another one I found in, in our garage. And if we go to this next picture, top left-hand side is, is some storage bins. And, and it says, Kids Special Memories. Or mementos in 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 that bin, and uh, and so in there I found uh, something rather cute, and it was a Mother's Day kind of card. It's a little pressed. It was artwork that I think Clarice did when she was in preschool, and it says "To Mom, Happy Happy Mother's Day, Love, Clarice." I mean. I mean, it's a piece of paper, it's a photograph, but it's precious. It's something that's held in this bin along with some other kind of precious things that, that we have of the kids and, and, and this and that. And then in, in our bedroom up on one of the, the cupboards, we have this beautiful rock that, that Nate gave to me for Father's Day one year. And, and, and it's really funny, like, I mean, you look on it and it says, you rock, dad, you know. And, and then upside down, it's Love, Nate. Um, as well as a nickname that we had for him back then. (laughs) yeah you could ask him what that was later on I won't say you know and so so here it is you know and 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 these things are precious you know you want to hold on to these like like this thing will probably be around for a good while because it's just one of those precious things from your kid you know and as well as this and you probably all have some of these kind of things kicking around or or special memories from from your child or even even for some of you who have grandchildren and and even as a pastor he receives some of these from time to time here's one I got just right around Christmas time, and I think I know who it was from, and and it's just like, "Thank you, Meldon, for being our pastor." Thank you. You know, I got that, and and it was given to me, and and it was just like. That is so nice. I mean, that gets stored in a little booklet that I have of some of these special mementos. Some of the Christmas cards you folks wrote, thank you. I'm not saving them for very long, you know. But these kind of things, there's times where some of these are precious. And it's just like, I gotta keep this as a reminder. Oh, this is beautiful. Did you know... That every prayer that you pray just doesn't bounce off the ceiling. It just doesn't go into, you know, you hear a lot about vaping these days. It just doesn't become a vapor and and, and it's here one second and then gone. Prayer is special. Through the Old Testament, we see the prayers of God's people were like an incense. It was a beautiful aroma to God. You see the prayers arising into the nostrils of God and he loves to hear his people pray. And he just doesn't like... Oh, I love to hear my people pray. You know what he does? You can check this out in in the book of Revelation, in, in Revelations chapter five, verse eight. He holds on to our prayers. Every prayer that we pray is saved in bowls in heaven, not in the garage, in some bin somewhere, not on some cupboard, but in some precious bowls. And every prayer that we pray, the prayers of the saints are stored. They're so precious to him. Prayer is powerful and prayer is what? precious they're precious to god and he says come to me and pray i want to hear you i want to answer every prayer we pray is registered my sermons they won't be stored in heaven i'm having a hard time storing them now what do i do with these things worship songs we sing some good worship songs there's great old hymns of the church they're not going to be saved no, in heaven, I believe we're going to be singing new songs. You're like, oh, great. We have to learn some new songs. Yeah, you'll have time. You'll be able to learn them eventually. Um, time won't be a problem. Um, you know, and, and we're not going to save sermons. We're not going to save songs. But, but to God, he saves our prayers. They're so precious to him. Prayers are precious. Prayers are powerful. There are so many passages in the Bible that deal with prayer. And today I'd like to look here quickly in Luke chapter 22. This passage, Jesus had just finished the last supper with his disciple. This is getting really serious. This is, this is the major events of the life of Christ are before us here. In fact, this one is perhaps one of the most major events that ever took place in what we're going to read here today. These accounts are also found in Matthew 26 as well as in Mark 14. And so we have the different perspectives from these different gospel writers. But we're going to look here in Luke 22 starting at verse 39. And it says, And when he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them, about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying Father if you are willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will be done but yours and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him and being in an agony being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground and when he rose from prayer He came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus, Son of God, perfect, sinless, deity, prayed. He knew that he would not be able to face the hour that was before him and the and the next number of hours without preparing himself in prayer, without connecting with his heavenly Father, without being refreshed from his heavenly Father. If Jesus, the perfect, perfect, sinless Son of God, saw the importance of prayer, oh, how much, too, we need to be people of prayer and to see it and to do it. Jesus prayed so much throughout his ministry. Even this statement here, Jesus went out as usual. Jesus was committed to prayer. It it was a constant flow of his life. Notice, throughout the gospels, you never have the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, oh Jesus, can you teach us how to do those miracles? Because that's pretty cool. You don't have them say, oh, Jesus, preach us to teach like you, or teach us to preach, or, or, or to be able to teach, and, and, and all of that. But the one thing they do say is, Lord, teach us to pray. Somehow they saw over the three and a half years that they were with him that there was a strong connection between what Jesus would do and the connection he had with his heavenly Father. And so they said, oh, Jesus, teach us to pray. They saw there was a connection. They saw there was a power. There was something that he was changed, that he was strengthened. He was empowered after his times of prayer. Oh, Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to pray. We want to be strengthened. We want to be empowered. We want to, to learn how to pray. And so let's learn here from Jesus. First of all, from in this passage here, we are to pray in advance. If we're going to get real about prayer, we need to pray in advance. In verse 39 and 40, we see we are to pray in advance of the day, the struggle, the battle, whatever it is that we're facing. In verse 40, Jesus says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus knew he was temptable. He knew his disciples were temptable. And he knows that you and I are very temptable. And so he says, pray so you don't fall into temptation. For us, it's the lust of the eyes. It's pride. It's self-sufficiency. It's idolatry. It's unholiness. It's, it's, it's the wrong thing coming out of our mouths. It's laziness. It's, it, all of this resides within each one of us. And Jesus, his struggle was different. His struggle with temptation was totally different than ours. Because his struggle was to leave a life of holiness of purity, of perfection, and become sin. There was a strong desire not to do that. And we see that in this prayer here. Our struggle, our battle, is to leave our life of sin, of dependency on ourselves, and pursue purity and holiness. It's a temptation that we face and we struggle with. Our struggle is to leave that sin behind and to pursue the holiness of Christ. So what did Jesus do when he faced temptation? He prayed in advance. He prayed before things really started to happen, to develop. And they happened very, very quickly. What did he say that we should do? Pray. What did he tell the disciples to do? Pray so you don't fall into temptation. We have to anticipate temptation to know that it's real, to know that it's coming. We confess our weakness, our our inability, our dependency on the Lord, and we pray in humble dependency before him. Yet what are the disciples doing? What do we see here in this passage? They're sleeping. And I've always understood this and, and you know, just kind of floated over this passage, I guess, and just thought, oh, the poor guys were tired. They just needed a nap. You know, and, and so they just, you know what, they were kind of despondent, not really interested in prayer. Just, oh, Jesus is praying. You know, just, they're out, they're tired. But but as we see here in verse 45, that they were sleeping for sorrow. Sleeping for them was an escape. It was, they knew that it was, everything was was elevating. Jesus was saying things. They, they knew everything was, was, their hopes, what they were planning on, Jesus was saying some very troubling things about what was going to take place, and they weren't so sure about this. And, and, and so we see them, them sleeping as an escape, not because of tiredness. When we're struggling, when we're facing temptation, what do we do? Maybe we, we sleep. We, we, we think, well, I just need to sleep. Something. Some of you say, I wish I could sleep. I can't sleep, and so, but we fill ourselves. We just, I just gotta keep busy, gotta keep my mind going. You know, maybe it's it's spending a lot of time on social media. Maybe it's it's Netflix, just watching movie after movie. The worst kind of th- invention they put on that Netflix is like the next show will resume in what 10, 9, nine, eight. I'm like, well, I just guess I better watch another one. You know, or or watch television or sports or whatever it might be. And and I heard a commentator on the radio uh, one morning. He was just talking about everything that's going on in the world. and He says, people just want to turn on their television sets, be able to sit back and just be able to laugh and just kind of avoid everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, you're right. We just want to try to avoid it. When Jesus says, no, don't avoid it. Don't, don't run to something else. Pray. Maybe it's retail therapy. Oh, I just need to buy something and I'll feel a little bit better. Or, or, or we hear this word comfort food, so we eat. Or, or maybe it's we drink just, kinda, just a little bit, just to calm us down, just to kind of take the edge off. Maybe it's medication and we have to be very, very dangerous in this, or very careful in this that, that, that those aren't becoming dependencies and, and replacements for what God wants to do in our lives. Maybe it's exercise, and exercise is a good thing, but we're doing these things rather than seeking God in prayer. Maybe it's just that next thing, that next project, that next thing, that next opportunity, that next thrill, that next vacation, whatever it might be. And so, so that's the way we live, and that's the way we kind of escape the reality of what's going on. And Jesus here says, pray in advance. Pray that you don't fall in temptation. Don't sleep. Pray. In humble obedience, it's coming before him in advance at the start of the day. I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And as we read a little later, the warning that Jesus gave to them because they didn't heed that is that they did fall. Just read a little later on in this verse, and Peter did fall into temptation. He denied Christ. The disciples scattered. They were weak. Why? They were praying, they were sleeping. When they should have been praying. Every day, folks, we have to realize is a struggle. It's a battle. It is. The enemy is out there, and we want to live for God. Watch out. He's there to try to knock you down. we got to pray. we got to be people of prayer. Pray in advance. Early in the morning or late at night. Depends how you're wired, how God has made you. Charlotte and I, we kind of have this little ongoing thing. Um, She kind of jokes that I circle all the Bible verses that talk about early in the morning, I will call out to God, and she circles the much fewer, I must say. um, Late at night, I will call out to God, you know, and regardless of when you do it, do it. Pray in advance. Pray every day. Because prayer is what? Prayer is, prayer is, yeah. Things happen when we pray, when we fight through the temptation. We're, we're empowered to be able to stand strong. So pray in advance, pray daily, praying the word of God. Psalm 101, determining every day. Psalm 101, verses 3 and 4. I will choose no unclean thing. God, I want to choose to, to speak purity, think purity, look at purity. And when I see these things, may I turn from them. When I stumble, when I fall into them, may I repent of them and, and ask you to help me. Or Joshua 24, choosing, determining. Today, today I will follow. Tomorrow, we say, today I will follow. Tuesday, today I will follow. Not, you know, Lord, just cover me for, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Of this week, I'm, real, I'm choosing to follow you. No, pray it every day. Pray in advance. Pray for those days, but pray every day. Pray in the midst is the second one, verse 41. Pray in the struggle. Pray in the battle. The night that Jesus was here in the garden, I believe in so many ways, this, this hour is what it came down to the most. Yes, there would be the cross. Yes, there would be the whipping, the scourging, the thorns placed in his head. He would be spit upon, he would be denied. You'd be nailed to a cross. That wasn't the real battle. You know where the real battle was? Right here, right here in the midst, right in the garden. Satan was tempting him to not go through with it, to not go through with the cross. Because Satan knew that if he did, he was doomed. He knew that if he did, the power that would be available to you and to I the forgiveness of sins. In verse 42, Jesus says to his heavenly father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. You know, and, and this is where you see this, the word cup. Notice he didn't say, if you're willing, could you take care of the cross? You know, like maybe we could find another way. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you know, the, you know just, just keep, you know, that, that not everyone denies me. He doesn't pray for that. He's praying for the cup. The cup in the Old Testament was another word meant judgment, the cup of judgment. And so it was the, ju- he says, please remove this cup of judgment because he knew that it wasn't going to be in the cross and the pain and the torture that was going to be the ultimate. It was in bearing the judgment, the wrath of God upon himself. That's what was truly tearing him apart. That his own father would forsake him. This was more than he could handle. More than he could bear. And here we see this passage. He was so, so filled with sorrow. He was near death. This almost killed him. Right then and there. You see. We see. As we read through the gospels. And we get the full picture of this. That Jesus was sweating. He was sweating. He was so intense. He was sweating drops of blood. That is a medical term, an actual medical term called thrombosis. It's where the capillaries are bursting and they're going into the, the um, sweat glands and they are mixing with, with the, the sweat and, with, and, and the blood is mixing with the sweat. It can be very, very lethal. And it is here at this point that Jesus almost died. He was so overcome with sorrow and with grief. He's praying in the midst of the struggle. He's pouring out his heart, his heavenly father. In the middle of the day, when the battle is real, we are to pray, pray in the midst. If we're gonna triumph over temptation, we must hate, hate, hate temptation. We must hate sin and feel the agony and understand the agony of what it cost Jesus when he died for us. You go, mm, temptation, yeah, I yield to it sometimes. You know, not the bad stuff, but yeah. No, we are to hate it. We're to hate temptation. We're to hate sin and pursue the holiness of God. When we draw near to God, we're going to see the holiness of God and we're going to see our sinfulness, and it causes us just to repent and to make that right. As we draw near, He reveals to us. And as we confess, He forgives. We pray. Next, we pray in surrender. Father, in verse 42, it says, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Here we see the posture of prayer. In those days, it was very common, and it was the custom that when someone would pray, they would stand. They would stand in the temple to pray. Here we see... In this passage, as well as the other Gospels, that Jesus was on his knees in prayer. This passage says he's on his knees. The other one said he's down on the floor. He is face on the ground. He is pouring. This is so... Uncustom. Uncustomarily for him to do something like this. But he is so broken. He is so overcome. Realizing that he can't but... His heavenly Father can. And he's pouring out his heart in surrender. And he says, Father, remove this cup. but But if not, your will be done. We see this posture of prayer. We see that the tears, we see the blood flowing along with the sweat. The posture of humility. God may, your God, may your will be done, not my will, but yours. You know what, that is the hardest prayer I think that we could ever pray. God, your will be done, not my own. Because we have our will, don't we? Oh, we know what we'd like to have in this world, and we know what we'd like to have in that person and this person. We know how we'd like to see the outcome happen. But that's the prayer of surrender, not my will, but yours be done. And as we pray and surrender, at times... I think our posture on our knees is great. Sitting slunked over on the couch, yeah, good way to pray. You can pray in bed. That's kind of the reverse way, you know. I mean, you know, it's kind of cheating, but if, if you're pouring your heart out to God in prayer, he doesn't care what you're doing, but there are times I believe it is so powerful, so important that we are on our knees, that we have that posture of humility, that we may be on our face. Have you ever been on your face before God in prayer? There's an extra humbling. There is just a, a surrender that takes place when you do that. But we see that the beautiful thing that takes place next here is that prayer brings the rescue. Here's the last thing, verse 43. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Underline in your Bibles that word, strengthening. The angel came along and strengthened him. We don't know how, Oftentimes we think, well, probably gave him some food and water. Well, he just ate. They just had the Last Supper together. But maybe it was food and water. I don't know. Was it words of calm assurance? Was it words from his heavenly Father? We don't know. But well, we know that, that after that time that, that God answered and, and he was strengthened. Whatever took place there was powerful. And Jesus got up. And he was able to, to continue on. He was strengthened. And that time of prayer, praying beforehand, praying in the midst, and now experiencing the rescue of God, came and changed everything. He would go and he would face a horrific, horrific death in one of the most beautiful and the most ugly. Beautiful for us, ugly for him initially. One of the most beautiful things in our history, the most beautiful thing. And even there he yelled out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet he had been strengthened by that angel. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. It was a real, a genuine, authentic prayer there in the garden that changed everything that brought the victory. And that same can be true in our own lives. As we are people who are praying in advance, ready and knowing that temptation lurks all around. The enemy prowls around like a lion, looking for whom to devour. It wants to devour us every day so we have no joy, no peace, so we doubt our salvation, so we blow up relationships, so that we, we, we aren't wise in, in what we say and we're, we can actually be hurtful. We need to be praying in advance, be praying in the midst, be praying in the midst of the battle. Oh God, I can't, but you can. Praying and surrender, not my will, but yours be done. And we will be rescued. When we pray, when you and I pray, when the church prays, help comes. It may not always be the answer that we want, but help comes for today. That answer may even be a no. You're not gonna have that. At times, God will say, not yet. Wait. And other times, It's The the scales in heaven, I don't know, those bowls all of a sudden have filled up so much and God says, yes, I'm going to answer that. We keep pressing on in prayer. And he will give us today what we need. Help comes from heaven when we pray. Just as we learned in heart resurgence this past week, that the Israelites called out to God. They were calling for deliverance even while they were in the wilderness. And God, it's coming, however... I've already rescued, I've already, look at what I've already rescued you from and today I will provide for you and tomorrow I'll provide for you again and the next day I will provide again and as we call out to God and as we are faithful in doing this, he will provide. He will make a way for us today and what does he say about tomorrow? He'll care for itself, I'll take care of. it. Don't worry. I'll be faithful today. Calling out to him today. And he will answer. Turn in humble dependence upon him. Repenting of our sin. And receive that fresh touch from him. May we experience genuine prayer this year in our lives. May we be people remembering always prayer is. And prayer is precious. Let's pray.